What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Why So Serious with your host, Marcus Sunberg. It is a wonderful July 7th day, and I hope you're having an, an amazing one yourself. What I feel like the Lord is laying on my heart today is to lay up treasures in heaven. Lay up treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust can destroy. We have to live our lives in such a way where we understand that there really is an eternity. In Ecclesiastes, it says that eternity has been written on the heart of humans. And that's, that's why we, we, so many different races and cultures, have an understanding and an idea about what an afterlife is and what is going to happen in the afterlife. And as a believer, as a Christian who follows Jesus Christ... I believe that there is a real place called heaven, and I believe that there is a God, the Holy Trinity, which is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that we are going to live with them in the next stage. But it's it's interesting, a lot of people have a massive misunderstanding of what heaven actually entails and it just sounds like a boring place where we're just going to sit there and worship but if you look at the context of the scriptures you find out that there are some dynamic things that are going to be happening in heaven we're going to be eating we're going to be working we're going to be doing amazing different things we're going to have different clothes we're going to have certain names there's going to be banquets there's going to be dancing i mean there are some incredible things that you can um, glean from the scriptures that it is an exciting and exciting thing for us, but we don't exactly know all the details, obviously, because God's infinite. God's amazing. But anyways, I believe in an afterlife, and I believe in an exciting afterlife. I believe from the scriptures that there are some very cool things, and we're not going to just be sitting there doing nothing and floating around. We're actually going to be having conversations with people there's going to be a library of books there's going to be all sorts of different things and i i am very excited to live my life in that way and so eternity is written on all of our hearts and i want all of us to go there and it's very clear from the scriptures that the only way to actually go there is the way that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit set up, which is through the door of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the only door. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. And that is why as Christians, we're, we're evangelizing, we're reaching out, and we're, we're trying to encourage people to get there. But I think one of the problems that we face as Christians is, is sometimes we think that if someone just has a mental assent, that someone, if, if they check a list of boxes of what they believe that that they're going to go to heaven and they're saved and the scriptures show a different narrative than that that it's more than just saying oh yeah i believe in jesus christ but when you actually believe in jesus christ it affects the way that you live it affects who you are and you become a new creation your spirit becomes reborn and that's why in john chapter 3 jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he says unless you are born again you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven and so unless your spirit is actually touched by the spirit of God and revamped restored 
then, then you're not going to enter the kingdom of God. You're not going to enter this eternity in this place where there's no more sin, there's no more struggle and challenges, but that we're going to be doing amazing things together. And, and we all want everyone to go there. And there's a Bible verse that says God wills that none should perish. God doesn't want anyone to perish. But he has given us a free will. This is where, you know, you have the big arguments between Calvinism and Arminianism, where Calvinism is, it's all predestined, and Arminianism is, we have a free will. And so, and I'm kind of in the middle of those two things. Like, Calvinism is, it's all set, God's sovereignty is done, and everything that he wants to happen is going to happen. Arminianism is, we have a free will, and um, we get to choose how things happen on this age. And I'm, I'm kind of in the middle. There are things that are set and there are things that are not set. And so we, and we have a, a free will to do those things. And that verse that I just brought up, God wills that none should perish, but obviously people are perishing. And so this is an encouraging thing for us because sometimes people are like, oh, whatever God's wills is just going to happen. And it's like, well, not exactly because God wills that none should perish. God desires for you to live joyful. God desires for you to live successful. And now that's not necessarily in the terms of what the world may think, because Jesus had an incredibly successful life. And that's really what we're going to focus in on. Jesus had an incredibly successful life, but the world may not think so. There is a, a little poem that someone wrote once, and I can't give you all the details of it, but one of the things it says is there was a man he didn't marry, he never went to college, he lived as a carpenter, he lived as a nobody in a small town for 30 years, and then he, he, he started doing some signs and wonders, people started following him, and then it says that, that the people turned on him, the people killed him. And he he was alone when he was killed. His disciples weren't following him. He was essentially alone. But then after that, you know, he's resurrected and he's transformed. And and we believe that this is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God himself in the flesh. And it's it's changed all of history. I mean, this one man has changed all of history. There's no one else that time changed for. And I understand that that's not the main reason that any of us are going to believe But when your eyes are open and you see like a little child who Jesus is, how real he is, and how close he can be to you, I mean, your spirit is reborn and you can walk with the Lord. And so it's more than mental ascent. And I'm going to give you an example is when the uh, Jesus is being crucified, the two robbers and thieves are are on side by side. And it says that they are mocking Jesus. They're all mocking Jesus. Everybody's making fun of him. Save yourself. This, that, and the other. But then later on, one of them is is touched in a special way by some of the circumstances that are happening. And he looks over at Jesus and he says, Jesus, when you enter your kingdom, remember me. Now think about that. This is more than just like, oh, I believe Jesus is is dying or, or I believe that, you know, in certain ideas about the Bible. I mean, he actually believed 
that this man dying on a cross next to him is about to enter a kingdom. Do you see the difference? It's different than just saying, oh yeah, I, I believe in the story of Moses. But really think about that. You actually believe that a man named Moses lived and literally took a staff, put it over water, and water split in a whole people group, millions of them, walked through those waters. Imagine if you heard someone today tell you that story. Would you believe it? Would you actually believe that man? And so it's different when you grip it and pull it down into reality and you're like, wow, like I actually believe that a man got swallowed by a whale, Jonah. Like I actually believe that story. I mean, and so it changes everything. And so what happened is, is this guy dying on a cross actually believed that Jesus was a king. Now, a different kingdom, Christianity and the kingdom of God is a different kingdom. But he was like, wow, this guy really has something special. So it's more than just being like, oh, yeah, I I believe in that. But I actually believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And it changes the way that I read his words. Because when I read his words, he says, go and make disciples. He doesn't say, go and make converts to Christianity. Go and make disciples. And he says, listen, he says, if you do not hate father, mother, brother, for me and my kingdom, yes, even your own life, for my sake, you are not fit to be my disciple. And so what he's saying is, he's not saying you have to literally hate your father and brother and mother. You're not literally going to hate them. What he's saying is, is if you do not put me first, you will not live in the realities of being a disciple. And what that means is when things get difficult and things get challenging, you will throw Jesus away. And, and that happens. I mean, even his disciples turned from him. It says they all fled. And so these things do happen in life. And so it's not like you, we're not going to live perfect lives. Abraham put the promises of God. He threw them away and God helped him walk through that. And that's, that's, that happens in life. But at the end of the day, God's trying to bring us into a process where we really put him first where we really value his thoughts, his feelings above our own and above other people's. And so being rich towards God means fearing him above all things. And the fear of God, it says, is the beginning of wisdom. So when you understand that, Jesus literally said, he says, don't fear man, don't fear people. He says, fear God who can actually throw you into hell. You really need to fear him. And not, you don't want to be afraid of him. But, but God is not something to toy around with. God is not a trivial being. He takes life very seriously. Now he's very loving. He's very warm. He's very present. But he is, he is very intense about, he has intense emotions and feelings. That's why it says he is an all-consuming fire. He is a jealous God. So, he wants all of our lives. He wants everything. In Romans 12, 1 through 2, it says, it says um, 
put your body on the altar and that's all your body encompasses all of you your soul and your spirit and he says put your body on the altar then you will know and approve what is the will of God for your life that's what God is after all of you because he actually has your best interest at heart and in mind he created you he knows exactly how you will have a fulfilling life jesus had a very fulfilling life i'm not saying it was necessarily easy but listen easy lives are not fulfilling and that is why Kids who have money and time and all sorts of things many times have drug problems and have unfulfilled issues in their lives. We have to find the will of God and that is where we'll find peace and joy and life. You have to live in the will of God if that is what you want. That is what I want. And so we have to fear God above all things. So in Luke where he says don't, don't, don't fear man. In that same passage, right before that, he talks about the Pharisees and he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are the religious group at that time. And there's other people that he's talking to as well, Sadducees and lawyers. And he says, beware of these people who for a pretense make long prayers and they desire the best seats and they tithe mint and rue, but they actually overlook the, the commandments of God. They actually overlook these things and they are hypocrites. And so they, they live before people. They're whitewashed tombs. They, they, they make an image of themselves that's so holy and so righteous and so amazing, but they're not actually doing the stuff on the inside walking with God and knowing God because there's another there's another passage in John chapter 5 where he looks at the Pharisees he says listen you study the scriptures diligently because their their scriptures were made so that you could encounter God and here I am in the flesh and you're not receiving me and so it's important that when you read the scriptures that you are searching to find and know God. Like that's the important part. Not so that you can have every understanding of all the things that are going to be worked out. And I'm not saying that's not important. We should understand the end times. We should understand the different things that happen in this. It's a historical account. We need to know these things. But the Bible is a book so that you can know God. That's the point. And so, and many times people fail to realize that and they're just, they're, they're learning this book, but it's not bringing them into life. And that's why Paul says the letter of the law kills, but the spirit brings life. And so he's saying, be careful, be careful how you live your life. Don't be afraid of people. People don't have your best interest. God actually has your best interest at heart and at at heart and has your best interest in his mind and so in john chapter 2 it says that jesus did not entrust himself to man because he knew what was in them he knew that man is up and man is down based on his feelings and based on his thoughts and that at times he's just not stable he's not consistent 
And so think about this. I'll give you a couple of examples. Jesus rolls into his own town. This is the city of his family's city, Nazareth, where he was born and where he was raised and where he was a carpenter. For 30 years, he goes into the synagogue. He pulls out a a messianic passage where it talks about like the manifesto of, of the Messiah, Isaiah chapter 60. And he says, I, I have come to preach good news. I've come to heal. I've come to give good tidings. I have come to bring peace. Closes it. People are stunned. People are feeling amazing as he's saying this. And he says, today, this scripture is fulfilled. And it says that the people started to marvel. I mean, people are starting to feel an energy and a power in the room. Like, wow, this is the Messiah. This is the guy. This is God. Like, this is it. This is our time. They've been waiting for this time for their entire lives. And then somebody in the crowd says, wait a second. Isn't that isn't that Joseph's son? Like isn't that is that Mary's son? And he's like, can't be the Messiah. No way. And what happens is it turns everybody against Jesus and they go to stone him. They go to kill him, literally. And so you have to be you can't trust people. Because at times people people think certain things and they'll praise you, they'll love you, and then they find something else out and it's bam, like they're totally against you. And so, but they weren't seeing with eyes of faith, eyes of trust, eyes of love. They were seeing through their own feelings and thoughts and emotions. It even happened to Peter. So, like, it happens to all of us at different times. Peter, I mean, look at this. This is in Matthew um, 16, I think. Peter, Jesus comes to his disciples and says, hey, who do you think I am? And, and people say Elijah, people say John the Baptist, people say all these different things, a prophet. And he goes, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus looks at him and he says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. So he's received a revelation and, he's, and he gives him a new name and he says the the kingdom of heaven the gates uh the kingdom of heaven i'm going to give you the keys and the gates of hell are not going to prevail and what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven and what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven i mean incredible right i mean literally right after that jesus says hey i'm gonna have to be killed i'm gonna have to the scribes and pharisees are gonna kill me and peter pulls jesus aside you know i guess because he's got all this revelation and he says, hey, 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 he starts rebuking Jesus, like God in the flesh. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. I mean, Peter, it, I mean, think about that, though. Like, this is the Messiah. And his entire understanding of the Messiah is that he is going to come to rule and reign. And he is going to upend all of the oppression that they have faced. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's actually, that's actually, it's not, it's correct, like, you are right. I am going to do that, but not now. It's actually, this is going to be a little different than you're thinking. And Peter can't fathom that, can't understand that, starts rebuking God. And then and then what is told to him is that he is operating under the guise of Satan through very normal, reasonable understandings of life and what's happening. But they're wrong. And that we're actually being infused by the devil. 
And so we have to be really careful how we approach God and how we approach this book. Like we have to find God. We can't just diligently search it to know the ins and out of it and it be a lifeless book. If it's a lifeless book, it won't enter into being born again. You won't have riches towards God. And I want to have riches towards God. I want you to have riches towards God. And that takes something more than just mental assent, mental reason. It takes faith. It takes eyes of faith in who this book is about and how he actually lives today. So here's another example. Okay, let me look at this. I mean, this is, this is Jesus' life. Jesus, this is why he didn't entrust himself to man, okay? Jesus rolls into town on a colt. And the people pull out palm branches and say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, which is a messianic verse. So they're saying, You are the Messiah. You're the one. You're going to save us from our oppression. You are going to do all of these amazing things. And they were right. The problem is they were, like, look at this. They were worshiping in the flesh. This is why it's important. Like, you have to move beyond the flesh. You have to enter into the spirit of life. Because the flesh profits nothing. But the flesh can actually be right about things. But completely wrong. And that's kind of a hard concept to explain. But look, the people are praising him. And that's right. What I'm saying is, is they're praising him because they think they, that he is going to do certain things the way that they think. Then, one week later, I mean, this is not long. He's not doing things the way they think. And they decide to arrest him. So they arrest him. And a whole crowd of frenzy, the same people that were praising, that were laying down palm branches, that were lifting up this, this Jesus' praises, are now in a frenzy and saying, crucify him. He's the devil or he's whatever. But I mean, they didn't say he's the devil, but they said, crucify him. He's a terrible person. We don't want him. He's not our king. No, nothing to do with this guy. I mean, wow, that is crazy. I mean, that is a 180 turn in a very short moment. You are literally our Messiah. Actually crucify him. Put him to death on a cross. And so my point in all of this is lay up treasures in heaven. Don't put your trust in people. You have to find out what God is telling you to do and then live it to the fullest. Read this book. This book will cause you to encounter God if you read it with the right heart, the right mind, and you allow God to bring the right people into your life. God knows how to open doors. He knows how to close doors. God knows how to bring people into your life. He knows how to remove people from your life. He is alive today. He still gives dreams. He still gives prophetic words. He still lives and breathes and talks and moves. And he knows how to open the doors of your heart and of your life. And I want to encourage you to lay up treasures in heaven. And that comes by putting God first. That comes by actually becoming a disciple of Christ and trusting him when things get difficult. In John 6, 
Jesus says some very intense and harsh sayings for the people to understand. And it says that many people start turning from him. And it says, so the people turn. And then it says disciples of his turn. Because he had more than 12. It's just that he had the main 12. But he had more than that. And it says that a bunch of those disciples deserted him at that moment. And he turns to the 12 and he says, are you going to leave me too? And Peter, once again, wonderful Peter. And I mean that this time. Like, and I, I mean it in all together because it's encouraging even though he, he, he said some things he shouldn't have said and he did some things he shouldn't have done. It's encouraging because we too are dust and we come up short. But Peter turns in that moment and he says, where else can we go? You have the words of life. And Jesus says, the spirit gives life and the flesh profits nothing. John 15, you can do nothing apart from me. Like we will only bear fruit. We will only bring things into heaven if we put our hope and trust in God and live the life that he has for us. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You know what the Greek word is and means? You don't want to know what the Greek word there, what it means in English? Nothing. That's what it means. Nothing. N-O-T-H-I-N-G. Nothing. Okay? That's what it means. You can do nothing apart from me. And I want a life that, that lays up treasures in heaven. I could build a huge kingdom here on earth. And it'd be worthless, meaningless, empty. And I just, I don't want that for you or for me. And I just, I, I am going to live the life that God has given to me, that God has revealed to me, no matter what anybody thinks or what anybody says. I know what God has revealed to me, and I'm confident in it, and I'm going to live it out to the fullest extent. And I want to encourage you, hear God, follow Jesus, and give it all you got to the day you die. Thank you. Hey, thanks for tuning in to another Why So Serious episode. I hope you liked the show. If you did, could you leave me a comment and a review? It just helps me connect with the right people. I'd super appreciate it. And I'll see you on the next Why So Serious podcast.